Welcome to the Way to Wellbeing podcast, where we explore a structured approach to well-being through the cultivation of mindfulness. This is Matthew Aldridge. I'm a mindfulness student. And this is Barbara Newell, a mindfulness teacher. So today we wanted to explore the area of compassion. And we really believe this is foundational to well-being. So to start off, Barbara, how would you describe compassion? Mm. So going back, first of all, to the definition that we gave of mindfulness, which is paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally in the present moment, to the unfolding of moment-to-moment experience. So that non-judgmentally has a quality of kindness or of compassion. Um, Kindness, sometimes you may have heard of a form of meditation called loving-kindness meditation, or sometimes the Pali word, that's a an ancient language that's used in Buddhism, the Pali word for loving kindness is metta. And that means simply friendliness and kindness. So it's the root of words we have like amity, um, yeah, friend, amitié in French. Um, so that's that quality of friendliness. And that's that's the way that we want to pay attention in our mindfulness. We want to pay attention with this kind of interested curiosity, not with an agenda. Um, some people like to quote the story of George Schaller, who was the primatologist um, who made these incredible advances in studying chimpanzees. And when he came back and was presenting about what he'd been, the insights that he'd been able to have into the the socialized of chimpanzees, far greater insight than others had been able to have before. He was asked, what did you do? How did you, how were you able to see so many things that other scientists before you who studied chimpanzees couldn't see? And he said, I didn't carry a gun. <laughs> and so he was allowed much more deeply into the, the witnessing of what was really going on in that society of chimpanzees. And so similarly, when we subtly approach our witnessing or our observing of our experience of of what our body is doing or feeling, what our mind is thinking or believing, if we go in with this agenda of, I'm going to get rid of the bad stuff and fix it all and make it all good, It's kind of like going in with a gun. And Mm. so if we can go in instead with this, a kindness, a friendliness, an openness to whatever is and allowing it to be as it is, we're liable, we're likely to learn much more and understand much more. And also, as I think we also mentioned, that paradoxical action is more possible where when we accept ourselves completely as we are, then we're free to change. Whereas if we go in with this self-improvement agenda, what we resist persists. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the sense of kindness, is the sense of friendliness, of caring, of wanting, wishing well to whatever, whomever we encounter or to, to aspects of ourselves. Even if there's pain or suffering involved, we're not trying to fight against it. And so compassion is sometimes described as what happens when that when that kindness, when loving kindness meets pain or suffering. Mm. It's that very natural, um, when you have a kind, when you have a friendly attitude 
in you and you meet, uh, let's say, your friend who's in pain or suffering, naturally you feel a, a sense of care, of concern, of wanting to somehow relieve their pain or suffering if there's a way. So that kind of intention or that kind of um, mind or heart meeting um, difficulty is how I think of compassion. Got it. So how do you go about cultivating that kindness and compassion if that's not kind of your predisposition? So one of the, as I was just mentioning, that's a it's a classic form of meditation is the loving kindness meditation. And in that one, we're invited to use phrases repeatedly. And there are a few that are classic, like, may I be safe? May I be, may I have physical well-being? May I have mental well-being? May I be free? Um and we are also invited to use whatever phrases really resonate for each of us. So we, there is one sense in which it's um, it's a repetitive kind of almost a mantra mm-hmm. or a um, a prayer that we say, and we don't only direct it toward ourselves. We then go on to direct it to people we love and even neutral people, um, like the cashier at the grocery store, and so on. Um, and eventually to people who we find difficult in our life. Hmm. So that's one very classic time-honored way of cultivating a mind state of kindness. And at first it can seem, yeah, a little bit, I don't know, ritualistic or <laughs> rote or um, even mechanical. Yeah, And yet, um, as we may have found, if anyone is practicing some kind of prayer Basically, what we what we practice grows stronger. Mm-hmm. So even just sending our mind in that direction intentionally, even if it feels like there's all kinds of things that aren't kind in us, but just even inviting and expressing the intention and the desire to be kind does help to grow it. And when those other things do come up um, uh, that feel like the opposite of kindness, we can look at them with kindness, got it. With compassion, that they're parts of us or dimensions or um, yeah, habits that we have and our thoughts and feelings that are that are painful. Yeah, and I I think it's important to note that neuroscience um, has looked at and done brain scans of like monks who've practiced um, com. Uh, meta meditation and techniques to enhance compassion. It was interesting. They were in one study, they were actually thought the machine was broken um, because they were so surprised about there's a specific part of the brain where compassion usually arises. And um, what they noted was it was like off the charts. Um, And so those techniques do actually work. They, they structurally change the way you look at the world and the way you interact with it. So I think it is, it does sound like mechanical and, and just kind of just repeating words. Can that actually change things? But I do think it changes how you view the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think we have a tendency very much so as we've talked about in, in previous podcasts that we look at the world as a threats. Mm-hmm. And so very often when that person criticizes us, they, we almost view them as like, oh, well, that's a, uh, 
it's a threat and it's a problem. And if we actually instead look and really see that very often the person may have reacted that way based on, you know, they were having a bad day. They were, they were mm -hmm. suffering and, and they're lashing out. Maybe we said something that they viewed as threatening. Mm. So if we can start to see things differently and look at people instead of as like predators or these threats and instead of look at their wounded um, people just like us. And mm. very often if we can see that and relate to it and be compassionate towards it, I think our reactivity fundamentally shifts. Our reactivity, our stress level will go down when we can remember. And a lot of our practices are often simply to remind ourselves and to help our mind come back from that kind of stress, fight or flight response. Um, and very often what we might need to do in that kind of situation is even if only for a moment, begin with extending the, the kindness and the compassion toward our own being, that they just did something and we felt threatened. Um, we feel our, our heart starting to race or our hands starting to clench or our jaw or something. Maybe we want to run away. Maybe we want to fight them. We want to say something snappy back. And to turn toward that in our own experience right on the spot. And this does take practice. Mm -hmm. It really That's why we practice these things, mindfulness and meditation, it's we can't just read about it and say, oh yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now it's ready yeah. on the spot. It, <laughs> it's a training because there is so much, both in our evolution and also in our culture, that is um, encouraging us to be reactive and to yeah. be fearful and to be to to go into fight or flight. So when we talk about um, using, for example, the meta meditation to deepen these states, it's good to remember that there are all kinds of other things coming into our, our senses all day long, every day that can go in the other direction. We are, we are actually taking in and deepening other states, depending on what we watch on television. If we're watching a lot of scary stuff, crime dramas, we may not realize it, but we're deepening the habits of seeing the world as a dangerous place with scary yep. people and things can happen to me at any moment. And people who are scheming and conniving and, <laughs> killing. Um, so just to be aware that if this seems like a, um, a, me a mechanical practice, but it's really just um, to, to be more intentional about the mind states that we're cultivating, where so much of the time we just kind of absorb things that are stimulating and exciting, but also can condition our mind to see the world as a scary place. Yep. And um, there is a lot of research and even whole centers now being established in major universities to study compassion mm. and the benefits that it has on individuals and on society. And one of the pioneers in the field of self-compassion is Kristen Neff, whose work I highly recommend. Um, her website is, I think, self-compassion.org. And she's, she's really, yeah, she is the pioneer of the field. And now there are many, many studies not just her own, but in the beginning, around 2003 or so, she was the only one looking into this. And she was inspired by having sat with a mindfulness meditation group that encouraged this self-compassion attitude. And she found it so effective in her own life that she decided to make it her field of study and, and teaching and writing. 
Yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit more about self compassion um, because this is something um, that I think is very relevant in our society uh, and culture here in the West because in, in a lot of ways our culture really um, uh, kind of suggests uh, that you need to be very self critical. Um, it expects a lot out of you. And I think I've seen very often people really be like, oh, well, I didn't do very well, or I'm not good enough and all of these types of things. And if you study modern psychology, I mean, what they're learning is a lot of that negative core beliefs about either ourselves or the world are really the root of a lot of our um, psychological problems. Um, and I think very much, I mean, this was learned thousands of years ago um, by the Buddha is that those beliefs and, and uh, really dictate how we relate to the world. And um, they can very much reflect the uh, kind of our experience. And so I think through compassion, as we shift to that thinking away from the negative and realize the reality, it fundamentally shifts um, us Yes, that's so, so true. And you're touching on one of the most common myths about self-compassion is, and Kristen Neff really has studied all of these myths and, and exploded just about every one of them, maybe every one of them. The, that's one of the most common things you'll hear is, oh, I, I can't just be self-compassionate towards everything in myself or else I'll never improve. I'll just become a blob and never get anywhere that it'll completely remove all my motivation to, to grow and to learn. Mm -hmm. And the studies have shown exactly the opposite that right. it, it, people are more motivated when they have self-compassion. There's also a common myth that it'll make me weak. It'll make me um, not advocate for myself. And again, the studies have shown the opposite that people actually take better care of themselves and are, are strengthened in their life and their behaviors when they are practicing self-compassion. And there are a number of other similar um, myths that have been studied and shown to be the opposite of, of what um, we might expect. Yeah. And I mean, what I want to ask you, Barbara, and, and I'll just touch on this based on my experience. I mean, in terms of self-compassion, I think is the doorway um, and, and really the gate to open to the path to well-being is that it, you, and very often in discussions with other people, that's like one of the hardest things I think people can find. And if if you find that in yourself, it is the one area you really need to work on. Um, in a lot of ways, it's easier for us to show compassion for other people. But um, in if, if we're struggling in that realm, <clears throat> working on that and addressing that, I think can really be transformative. Yeah. Definitely. And it is a practice. It's a training. Um, it, we need to practice it and, and invite ourselves to keep coming back over and over because the habits can be so strong from our own family history, from our schools, um, from our workplaces. So it's, it is a practice to intentionally cultivate that state and also to look for friends. I mean, that's also part of this practice is supporting each other on the path of going in the direction we want to go in together. So noticing if some of the people we spend the most time with are heavily critical, are really judgmental, um, we 
might start to see if there are other people we can spend more time with who are who are compassionate, who are kind. Yeah. And just to note on it, the practice, I think one of the things I just want to make a note here is that with mindfulness, it is repetitive. It's a lot of, it takes time to develop, just like if you were playing sports. It, if you're going to go out and play basketball, you're going to get better as you keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. It, it ultimately becomes a habit. Uh, and that's really what we're suggesting here when we say you just need to keep at it and keep practicing. It, it isn't going to be a one-off thing where all of a sudden, yes, you're the um, uh, a great basketball player. It's like, no, it takes a lot of time. It takes uh, a fair amount of effort to get there. But it is also filled with rewards. Yeah, and I, again, I would just remind us all that when we're not practicing mindfulness, we're practicing mindlessness. Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually always deepening something in, in our behavior. And so are we deepening presence to our experience or are we deepening running away from our experience or fighting our experience or running away from or fighting each other? Yeah. So I think that's it for today. Um, we very much appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, if you need more information, feel free to reach out to our website at thewaytowellbeing.com. Additionally, Barbara uh, is available via her website at barbaranewell.com. Um, thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs>